Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend the night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 27, and if you aren't aware of it by now, let me throw this spoiler out there. Some of the previous alluded to stuff we like, and yes, I am using air quotes, is sci-fi shows where robots are bent on destroying their human masters. We're not really sure why that is, but the heart wants what the heart wants, and we're rolling with it, so that can only mean we're heading back to the Mesa, at least metaphorically speaking, to recap the final two episodes of Westworld Season 3, and this, the fourth part of a whole new Westworld. My name is Todd, and with me as always is the man who is fully capable of deadlifting 783 pounds six times during an average television commercial, but he would never tell you that because he's doesn't like to brag. He is the Ted DiBiase to my Irwin R. Scheister, because as we all know, everyone's got a price and everybody's gonna pay. I give you the man they call Tim. Hello, brother. How we doing? I am doing quite well. I How are you am doing, not sir? even going to attempt to do the Ted DiBiase cackle. That laugh that he would do, it, it, you, just can't, oh. you just can't replicate it. One of the best laughs ever oh, in the business. One of huh? the best gimmicks. Oh my gosh, oh. that guy was fantastic as a bad yeah. guy. Yeah, just I mean, just <laughs> the fact that like we're that that opposed to like someone who's just that rich and in your face about it. Well, oh, and, it's fantastic. And, and you know, they did the kind of the standard '80s you know heel building up bit that they would do, where they'd have him come out live with with a, a, a plant of some kind, you know, an audience member. Oh yeah. Uh, the the one that stands out in my mind is is he was gonna pay like a couple hundred dollars to this little kid to bounce a ball like ten times or something and he got to like nine and he kicked the ball. It's <laughs> like, oh, that's a shame. You're not getting any money. <laughs> like, yep. I'm like, you sure? Now wait, did he kick the ball or did he have Virgil kick the ball? It was, uh, you know what? That's a good point. I don't know. It was one or one or the other. But but either way, he was the perpetrator behind it. And uh, it was it was just I just remember thinking, man, this is this is a great way to build a bad guy up. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. And, of course, I mean, and he actually had a pretty good run for a really long time. And then he actually came back as mm-hmm. a uh, as a manager yes. kind of role. Yep. Not really very good there because as it, the gimmick then of, like, hey, I've got all this money. I'm going to hire the greatest wrestlers. And then to have absolute crap in his stable uh-huh. just kind of fell through real quick. Yeah. And uh, well, and and then the the other half of that equation, who who we haven't talked about, is is his partner Mike Rotunda, who became the physical embodiment of the IRS, baby. <laughs> yes, <laughs> what a great name, Irwin R. Scheister. I mean, there's not many times like I wasn't. I'm not a fan of Isaac Yankum, 
uh, DDM, yes. Yes. DDS, whatever DDS. it is. But yes, uh, but man, that was that was fantastic. He wrestled. Fantastic. In, he wrestled in a suit shirt with a tie with suspenders. I mean, it's just like that could. But weren't have been the weren't fun. the Weren't the weren't the shirt sleeves cut off though? They were cut off, but he would he would bring the Halliburton uh, briefcase to to the ring, <laughs> hair slicked back. Oh yeah, uh, I, I believe his finisher was called the tax audit or something. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's something like out of the Simpsons, you know? Because it's of like, course it was. <laughs> good old Vince back in the day, <laughs> like late eighties, early nineties. That's all you needed. Like hey. <laughs> I mean, it, not even the early late '80s, early '90s. Like into the late '90s. I mean, Draws's first gimmick was he was going to be called Puke, right? Yes. Like, hey, yep. I can throw up on command. We're going to build a gimmick around that, pal. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, yeah, the, that that team. Irving R. Shyster versus Puke. It sounds like a damn monster movie. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> monster movie nobody wants to see. Oh my gosh! No, no. I I just love the fact they they built a tax gimmick and and it had some legs for for some period of time. I think they were tag champs for a fair amount of time too. So. Yeah. Well, and the funny part is, like, you would think that the million dollar man would want nothing to do with the IRS because they're going to be coming for his money. That's aren't they? well, that's true. There there was certain irony pairing those two up, but uh, it really was. But 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 Irwin always seemed to have uh, you know good. Good, good returns for Mr. DiBiase. Uh, you know, so I, oh, I don't know. It was, it was bad. <laughs> Maybe it was a tax return as well. I don't know. It, it was something so goofy, but I'm just like, <laughs> I would have to think it was the audit. Like I would, I, I, think I would, would too. <laughs> I hope it was the audit. That would be awesome. I might even, I uh, might even exert a little bit of effort and look that up and post <laughs> it in the show notes. And hopefully, and hopefully that was back when when Gorilla Monsoon was still doing commentary, because then we we could hear him say, "Here comes the audit." Yep, yep. Or or uh. or chastise Bobby Heenan. Will you stop? <laughs> yes. Oh. oh, those were the days. Yeah. Anyways, uh, thank you all for joining us in this uh, weekly venture into well the idiotic. We appreciate all of you tuning in and and subscribing. If you'd like to subscribe, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, you can find us on Podbean. If you go to freerangeidiocy.com, you will be able to find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the social medias on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at freerangeidiocy. We're also on the YouTubes. We, we, we are actually enjoying our time on the YouTubes. I believe we haven't gotten excommunicated from the YouTubes or kicked off, whatever they, whatever they do to you on YouTube. Uh, we have not gotten kicked off, so you can find full episodes on YouTube, so if you happen to prefer that, uh, you do not get to see us. So let's just get that right out of the way, so don't be afraid of that. You don't have to watch we, us. We, we understand our limitations. <laughs> Faces made for radio and podcast is, I think, how we how we like to put that. If you did have to look uh, at us, we would totally we'd be, be wearing luchador masks yes. just to save you all the pain and suffering. Yes. Um, so we're, we're doing that, and also we are accepting questions from the listening audience, uh, suggestions, questions at uh, tim at freerangeidiocy.com. Send all of your questions to Tim. He will have all of the answers because he's just wicked smart, really. That's wicked. what it comes down to. Well, and, and, and it's also just because we're, we're kind of, you know, we're not a podcast that has one kind of theme or topic. Our, our theme or topic is just everything. You know, we're all over the map. Exactly. So. Uh, and any topic ideas, uh, please send them in. We we just want to serve serve the peoples in, in an entertaining and, and funny way. And uh, if there's something we can ramble on about for sixty to ninety minutes, well, 
by God, we'll find a way. <laughs> and you know what? I think what we ought to do with that with that is anytime we get a topic suggestion from the from our listeners and we we actually end up using it. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do is we're going to try and do like seven degrees of separation or for those of you who have watched My Big Fat Greek Wedding, like the, the father in that one where he goes back and he tries to tell you how every word goes back to the Greek. Ah, uh, yes. We're going to take every subject and we're going to try and tie it back to Battlestar Galactica somehow <laughs> because That's it right. just works out that way for us. That's that right. is like our Rosetta Stone it somehow. Is. I, mean, <laughs> I don't if, know if, why. If, if, if there is a constant to this show, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're not a Battlestar show, but we do talk an awful lot about it. We, we might as well be at this point. <laughs> It might as well just be like we're the Battlestar free range idiocy. That's oh, what it is. Yes. You know, we were the third Battlestar that survived, but unfortunately we FTL'd right into a supernova and <laughs> that was it. You yeah, know, basically. It's a, basically. It was a very short lived show. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So what, what we normally do at this point is then we, we slingshot ourselves into our, our first official segment. However, however, we would, I, I heard you with a, with a bottle open over there. Down boy. Easy. <laughs> now that thing is going to explode and it's going to be awesome. Um, first Point of all, it away from the computer, for goodness sakes. We, we lost a titan oh. of, of, of music oh. uh, this past week. Ladies and gentlemen, Fireball Richard Wayne energy. Pennyman, yep. better known as Little Richard, mm-hmm. uh, has, has, has shuffled off the mortal coil, has, has departed this earth for a higher plane of existence Little Richard, I mean, good. I mean, what are you going to say about this dude? The the dude was his nicknames were the innovator, the originator, and the architect of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Like all of the original, honestly, all the original white rock and roll stars covered this dude's songs. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, that, that's just the way it worked. Like you, if you wanted a hit back then, you went and covered a Little Richard song, and boom, you're huge. This dude, you know what? Lemmy from Motorhead. <sighs> said that this guy was a badass. Mm-hmm. That's good enough for me. That's good <laughs> enough for me. Lemmy says you're a badass. I'm in. All right. Yep. Because, yep. number one, even though Lemmy's been dead for a couple of years, I ain't arguing with him. No. <laughs> no. Lemmy no. come back from the afterlife and boot you in the head. High I mean, praise. <laughs> high praise coming from Lemmy. Yes. Yes. So it's uh, we, we bid a fond, fond farewell to little Richard. Um, who is uh, was just one of the greats of rock and roll, and probably even though he gets a ton of credit, does not get nearly an, as much credit as he probably should, mm-hmm. uh, I believe. So, yeah. with that being said, pour a little bit out for Little Richard while you're listening to this, or, or later on today, however it works for you. Uh, but Little Richard, rest in peace, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shut up! And now we work our way into uh, the first official segment of the uh, the evening, uh, sir. Oh, what you drinking? To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Ah, oh, there we go. That was a good one. Ooh, quality. Uh huh. Um, we're actually going uh, back to the reserves of New Holland Brewing. I, I ah. sampled this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't fall over from it, so I'm going to try it again. Oh, boy. Uh, dr- this is Dragon's Milk Bourbon Barrel-Aged Stout. What uh, he's not telling you folks is he went from a 12 to a 24-ounce. <laughs> <laughs> clocking I'm in, still only having one. <laughs> clocking in at 11 ABV, 11% ABV. 
and I actually has a growler over up there, right? Yeah, I probably, yeah, I'm basically drinking out of the growler, but um, doing, the, doing the old school moonshine pull off it. <laughs> I might start playing the jug once it's empty. You know, ooh, nice. Ooh, ooh. Um, on I the can't bottle, wait for that, on the bottle is a date. It says two bottled two twenty seven twenty. So this is a pre pandemic uh, brew right here, baby. So I'm well, going to pour this out. That's really how you, if how you want to describe that because I mean technically we can get into when the first case was diagnosed in the United States and blah 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 but you know what I don't want to talk about COVID tonight so let's nah. move right along shall we Oh, uh, so us. and what are you drinking my let, friend Well let me see here Oh there we go Yeah it's a can baby mm-hmm. uh, So what I'm enjoying this fine evening and I had forgotten about this uh, well not forgotten about it but I hadn't had it in a while. This is a delicious IPA by Stone Brewing Company. It is described on the can here as a citrusy IPA with lemon drop and El Dorado hops. Oh, wow. It is a, uh, a 7.7 ABV. Uh, it is quite delightful, nice and light. It's not as kind of uh, aggressive as a lot of IPAs, as a lot of like gluten-free IPAs tend to be. Like They tend to give you that real kind of IPA aftertaste. Yeah. Again, this yeah. one, the, I, I really feel like it's a little bit more citrusy, and that kind of balances it out, at least for my palate. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy this one. Uh, of course, again, um, I'm, I'm hoping to not be on the floor under my desk cradling the microphone like a teddy bear by the end of the evening. Um, no, so we're, we will weren't see you, weren't you doing this that goes. yesterday because it was like snowing out where you are? Oh, dude, I can't even talk about <laughs> that. that <laughs> the polar vortex in you May. You know what? I, I just I was at that point where I'm like, you know what? Just whatever. I don't care. I don't. I don't care. Dogs Giant and cats meteor living together. Just, mass hysteria. You, you cannot come quick enough. That's mm-hmm. how I looked at it. This take us away. Take us away, Giant Meteor. Oh, so anyways, that's a that's that bit of business out of the way. We uh, we've said goodbye to little Richard. So I guess now we get into the topic at hand, which is the final two episodes of Westworld. Season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, before we dive into that, I I actually um, I made the I made the cardinal sin on Twitter. What you do uh, now? the other day of of liking a tweet of an article that I had not fully read. Oh, I know. Sakura blue. I just a thousand lashes due to me. I I I accept the punishment, sir. Oh my goodness. So. Oh, excuse me. So what I what I was reading about, though, is um, this article on The Ringer, and it is by Danny Hefetz, 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 whatever, uh, answering the biggest lingering questions after Westworld season three. And so, you know, I didn't quite realize and maybe I'm a bit of a babe in the woods and ignorant in this. I did not realize how much kind of dislike and hatred there is out there for Westworld post-season one mm-hmm. and i got a little taste of it before the season started watching fat man beyond when M- mark Bernardin had mentioned kind of a real kind of sideways sort of comment slipped it in there like oh and maybe you know hopefully they you can start watching season three and you don't have to care what happened in season two because it's not very good something to that effect yeah. because he didn't like season two so he's hoping that season three just kind of almost allows you to kind of skip that I don't get it, man. Like, I, I feel like there's just people who wanted to live in Westworld season one world forever, and they're not happy. Almost a lot like Star Wars people kind of want to live in their world, or Star Trek people want to live in their little world of, of whatever it was, yeah. and never want to venture outside of that. I am, I am 
thoroughly entertained by this show, even as much as I've been confused by it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the hate. Do you? Do you kind of understand that? I. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I mean, I, I understand why season two was difficult for people because it was, as we've talked about in the in you know past shows, uh, it was a very disorienting season. You know, um, one of the core pillars of that season was the unreliable narrator that that Bernard was, and mm. and it was a very, it, it was very hard to follow what was going on because you were jumping around, and we had already come off of season one where they had already established one of the storytelling devices of playing with time. And so mm-hmm. you didn't know what you were really seeing and what order it was happening in. And I can only assume for some people that just, that just caused them to kind of fall away from it. You know, that, that mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a straightforward story. I don't know what people really wanted to see out of the show. Uh, you know, like as far as, you know, where the show takes place. Cause I think you can only write the story for so long in the park itself before you get out of the park. Yeah. And you know, it's, it, it's just, I, I, I struggle with it. I mean, our, our very first episode was about fans and, and about the best and the worst about fans. And, and you know, some of this hatred, I, I mean, it's art. People are, or you're certainly free to criticize it, but, I, I, I look at the story and what they're trying to do with it, and, and they're trying to tell an original story. It's kind of like what happened, you know, when we talked a couple episodes back with, with Jimmy Dice about Last mm-hmm. Jedi. You know, yep. I give The Last Jedi, I like The Last Jedi, and I gave it the benefit of the doubt because someone was trying to do something that was off the map of what everyone was used to. And mm-hmm. that, in my book, is enough to give it a, you know, a, a, a higher rating and, and, and to give it, you know, my attention and, and my, you know, and like it, you know, because it's different. It's trying to tell a different kind of a story. And here, they're, that's what they're trying to do. I, I liked, it took me a little bit. But one of the things I liked about season two was the fact I couldn't draw a straight line. You know, I couldn't really tell where it was going. But then they at least did it service at, you know, on the last few episodes of tying it all together. That was mm-hmm. the important part. Yeah. And I think that was the part that people may have gotten, you know, lost in to some degree. So yeah. at least that's that's my read on it, is that I think just some of the hate is, um, and I'll I'll bring it up again because I, I said it last show. You know, The Walking Dead has seen the same problem, but I understand that a little bit more because The Walking Dead became way too reliant on the comic. They the the first five or six seasons they were they were following the comic in a very loose way, but they were writing very original stories and dealing with the morality of the situation, you know, with all these different characters. And that's what made the show really good. When they when they got locked into a key foundational storyline in the comics and followed it verbatim, like almost like what happened with the Watchmen movie. Yeah. Then you start to get people falling away, and I can kind of understand it. You know, it, it, it I mean, they literally took two seasons with this Negan story arc I was telling you about last episode. And there kind of comes a point where you're like, can we just get to the <laughs> you know, can, can we get to the end of this? It's just like dragging yeah. on and on and on. And and it's not, you know, nothing really interesting is going on. It's just constant, you know, whatever. I don't think that that, that was going on here with Westworld. I think I think the writers here are, are trying to tell like and it was funny to hear you do the intro the way you did, because. 
you're right. It's about, you know, we seem to have this like of shows where, where robots rise against their human masters. <laughs> Apparently, we have a strong dislike of ourselves as human beings. We, oh. we, we've taken, like, self-deprecation and, and, like, this idea of self-loathing to its most extreme. We're like, yes, bring on the robots. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it's, it's – uh, but what I, I, I think in this case what draws me to it is it, it's another interesting kind of take on – on humanity as a whole and you know the way that they're using the robots to kind of be a reflection of the morality of of, of humans at this you know at this juncture yes. in history yeah and and how far off it is and and just and and the way that they choose to kind of rise up and and assert themselves you know in mm-hmm. in terms of their freedom uh in terms of their ability to express their free will i think those are very interesting themes and i think they've expressed those themes through the story in a very interesting way but again everyone's different and and i don't know you know when people show up to see these shows like in season one i I, it's hard to say what people are looking for i i don't know but i do know shows grow stale if you try to do the same thing yep and if you go too far off the reservation people get upset so yeah i'm not really sure what the happy medium is in there i don't think there is because i mean honestly this show is uh, into me and, and and this is just me, my thoughts on it. I don't think the show is for mass consumption. I don't think the show is something that should be on regular TV. I mean, <laughs> obviously, as is, it wouldn't be on regular TV. Yeah. Because I don't quite see anybody watching this at eight o'clock on a on a Tuesday night. Yeah. It's just not that kind of show. It is not an, a, a mass consumption show like you know Friends or, or ER or anything like that, where you're trying to appeal to this humongous audience. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's on HBO, because there's a freedom within the, the venue that, is, that it is at, it is, and it is a very specific sort of niche that you're going after. But even within that niche, I think there's an even smaller niche of people who, this show actually is, some people just kind of want the linear story, like you were saying. They want it just, hey, give me from A to Z, and I'm good. And they like the sci-fi aspect of it. Yeah. Fine. That's perfect. But I think this is one of those shows, again, sort of like uh, the Watchmen uh, series. It's going to leave you a bunch of questions mm-hmm. unanswered. Yep. And you're, you're, gonna, you're not going to know. And, and it's just not going to be linear. It's not going to be straightforward. It is going to make you think. It's going to frustrate you. And that appeals to a certain niche out of that niche. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one of the things I think is interesting, though, is as far as source material, because uh, uh, this does have source material. It, it was originally from something else. I honestly have never seen any of that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm completely unknowledgeable of that. However, I wonder with the source material, when you talk about The Walking Dead, if part of the problem with that is that the source material is ongoing, sort of like with Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. because at some point you're in danger of outpacing the source material, especially in Game of Thrones, where that dude can apparently can't write more than like one page every three months. I'm not sure what George R. R. Martin's problem is. <laughs> I mean, people are people are probably cranking out like 18 volumes of fan fiction for this dude, and he's like sitting over there, like, well, I completed a chapter this month. Great. Well, it was a two-page chapter. You know what? To heck with him. <laughs> We're gonna fin- <laughs> We're gonna write it without you. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, I, I don't understand some of that, but. I wonder if part of the problem is having the, the source material ongoing as opposed to something like Watchmen where, yeah, there's going to be problems and you're going to have to adapt it and things like that. But Watchmen was done. Yeah. When they, when they went to make a movie, it was done. 
Um, and, and then uh, certainly when they went to make a TV show, it was done. You know, all of it is is it's a closed book. Yeah. And then they reopen the book. Yeah. Whereas something like Walking Dead, you're 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 dealing with something that is still being produced. Mm hmm. I wonder how much that influences people's perspective because you're uh, not even so much perspective of the viewers, but also the perspective of the people who are working on the show. Like, okay, how do we match up with this and how are we doing with this and how are we doing that? As opposed to like, right. here it is, it's done. All right, I'm going to change it. Yeah. As opposed to like, well, I can't change it because then it might not line up eventually with what's going on in the comics and that can cause problems. And, mm -hmm. you know, somebody has a, a right of refusal or editorial say, or I'm not sure what the deal is, but, I wonder how much that plays into it. Yeah. I mean, what, what was infuriating for, for me as someone who watches that show is you hear people getting all amped up for, you know, oh, they're, they're going to do the Negan story arc or, oh, they're going to do the Whisperer story arc. They get to it and then all it is is a bunch of complaints about, oh, they didn't do it the way I wanted it or it didn't. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's, it's just like you, you there comes a point where I just feel like you can't win with fans that – there's just going to be people who go into it and they're not going to like it. And I don't know what the secret sauce is. I mean, I'm not a, a, a TV writer, so I, I don't know what it is that makes season one of, of a lot of different shows something that resonates with people other than the fact it's something they've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a large part of you know, what, what really kind of gets people connected. But I, I just don't know how you replicate that. I mean, the, the, the best you can do is to write a story that tries to carry the theme and tone of what you're trying to say. And in science fiction, science fiction oftentimes is trying to answer, you know, questions of, of our reality through, through fiction, you know, like basically trying to process questions like, you know, what would, how would we react if we had, you know, AI robots that looked almost human, you know, and, yeah. and, and the matrix did this too, that you like, it, it's a very, it, it's, it's a very, you know, negative and 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 you know kind of almost sad take on on how humanity would be because in the matrix world humans you know abuse the robots you know it's kind of very similar to what happened in westworld you know like like mm -hmm. we just we know there's no consequence for our actions so we go in and and we have our way you know and and mm -hmm. and that's what in westworld was was one of the horrors of season one was just seeing how humans who visited the park were just you know treating the these robots and and how it, yeah. it, it just really reflected a very poor morality for humanity as a whole mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah which it's it's i wonder how much of that also is it, it's a little bit different when it's aliens who are taking that place because it's always like okay here's the humans versus this and you're you're kind of comparing and contrasting to when it's human versus hey they're robots but they're programmed to look and act mm -hmm. just like us yeah it gets awfully complicated there yeah when it's not like something with tentacles you know and and all kinds of slime and stuff dripping off of it mm -hmm. and then you're like oh wait that looks an awful lot like me and now it's making me think about oh this is uncomfortable i wonder how much of that plays into it mm -hmm. for people or if if others i don't know or, I, or if I they're just wanting to watch a show to be entertained and it just doesn't entertain them it could be that you know Oh, totally. I mean, it's just like this isn't my this ain't my jammy jam, yeah. and that's fine. There's a lot of things that p other people have raved about. Like, oh, I'm one of the only people that I know who has probably only seen a dozen episodes of Seinfeld and Friends combined. Mm -hmm. Which you would think, having lived through the '90s, mm -hmm. that's almost humanly impossible. <laughs> 
Yes. And I didn't watch I didn't watch Beverly Hills 90210 or Melrose Place earlier before that. Like I I was like prime time for all of those shows and it just never appealed to me. I'd rather watch Night Court reruns. That was me. You yeah. could say that I'm, you know, culturally deprived and, and mm-hmm. depraved, but it just wasn't my jammy jam for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. I don't I get it, but it's it's kind of a little bit it's a little weird to me just to see people who are just that vehemently opposed to it, who obviously kind of liked it at one point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But anyways, let's dive into what we're dealing with here. I think we're actually, I'm, quite honestly, I'm procrastinating because I don't know what the hell to make of the last two episodes. But then again, I didn't know what to make of the first six. So I really don't feel that bad about it. So we have episode seven, which is called Past Dawn. And uh, past as in Mm P-A-S-S-E-D, for those of you who... You know, that makes a difference. Uh, Here is the summary from Wikipedia. Charlotte calls Musashi to warn that Dolores is leaving her copies to die, but Maeve's newly remanufactured allies, uh, I'm going to mess this up, Hanario and Clementine. Clementine makes a comeback, baby. Clementine. Arrive and kill him. Dolores and Caleb arrive at Ciroc's re-education center in Mexico where Solomon, an earlier AI developed by Jean-Mi, is confined. Caleb discovers he is one of Ciroc's outliers and one of the few that were successfully reconditioned. He and Francis became agents to bring in other outliers using a pill to, subs- to subdue their memories. Caleb also learns he was the one manipulated by Rehoboam to kill Francis. Maeve arrives at the facility to fight Dolores, and Dolores implores Solomon to establish jean Mi's plan for the world rather than Ciroc's. While Maeve and Dolores fight, Caleb asks Solomon to provide a strategy where he can kill Ciroc. Moments after Solomon provides Caleb the strategy, Maeve moves in for the kill on Dolores, who uses an EMP to disable both of them as well as Solomon. Bernard learns of Caleb's special status and warns Ashley that Dolores' plan will see Caleb destroy humanity. As they leave, William proclaims his plans to rid the world of the remaining hosts. Good sweet lord, that's like a season's worth of stuff in one episode. Yeah, that's that's pretty dense. <laughs> I think I need it. I, I usually do these episodes standing up. I need to sit down after reading that. I'm tired. Or in some <laughs> cases, sitting eating crackers and cheese. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Easy there. Uh, Easy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, fine. I was eating crackers and cheese at like 1 a.m. watching this last hey, week. We, Go we, ahead. We've all been there, baby. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. Could have been worse. Could have been crack. That's right. Well, <laughs> Wasn't going to go there, but okay. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, uh, you know. There are worse things, I know. Yes. I, know. I, I can't afford crack. Glue, maybe. Uh. But, uh, so, man, I, I think this is, it's it's really kind of interesting now seeing Charlotte in this mode of, like, she now wants the world to burn. Like, she really does. Yeah. And, and this is, I did we ever really sort out whether... Was it Ciroc's people who took out the family? I think it was. Yes. But Dolores really didn't do much to help, did she? No, and and as we've talked about in prior uh, podcast episodes, we we mentioned how this version of Dolores in Charlotte seems to be a bit unstable. Yeah, Um, just a little. to, to, To begin with, not just because she witnessed the horror of what happened and she had um, clearly established a connection and an attachment uh, to, you know, to the real Charlotte's, you know, um, boyfriend and child. 
I feel a good metaphor here is for anyone who's of, of our age, the Charlotte version of Dolores is the Windows ME version of Charlotte. Oh, yeah, my friend. Well done. <laughs> oh, well, j- just keep talking. I, I got to sit back after that one. That, I'm going to take a sip. That was beautiful. Please continue. Well done. I, I knew by going to the computer geek route, I would, I would pull you back in there. <laughs> oh my no, gosh, that it was is. brilliant. It's Good. A, it's a just a virtual just completely unstable, unsuitable for this task and it's going to crash and it's going to backfire on you spectacularly. Of course, Windows ME didn't kill anybody that I know of, but it probably came close. It just looked really pretty and didn't run real well. <laughs> no. No it didn't. No it didn't. No, it did oh not. Oh, my gosh. One of these days, I'll have to tell you this. I, I actually had a, so Mike, who was on a few episodes ago, he actually had to come over and help me get rid of Windows ME. Like, oh, he had geez. to, like, he had to go absolutely medieval on my computer. And he's like, there, I've never had to do this to upgrade an, an operating system. This is the b- most bizarre thing. I'm like, I know. I know. <laughs> it sucks. I think I, I think I bought him like three dinners after that because I felt so bad because he was just so puzzled looking yeah. at it like what 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 well is deserved this? well deserved <laughs> my gosh but anyway just let's say it ain't stable no. and let's go from there no. No. so yeah Charlotte is 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 pissed off and you know what the fact is she has a legitimate gripe here I mean she is she is pissed off with 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 Dolores and she has a legit gripe. No doubt. She, yeah. was, she was cannon fodder. And, you know, now she's cannon fodder with an opinion and a lot of power. <laughs> and well, and, and mm. Dolores had a plan, and using her own self as pawns in that plan is now going to, you know, cause some consequences to render themselves. Mm. Um, mm. And I think Charlotte is one of those consequences, I, or, or is the primary consequence. I don't think... There was really anything that came out of what happened with the other copies she made of herself. I think, yeah, they no, they she, just she got away with those. She she got away with those, but there was something with the Charlotte version of herself that, and we'll get to it in episode eight. That is going to come back to haunt her, um, mm. and and you know honestly, I I I like that aspect of the story because that is one of the essence um, essences, if I can say it that way. Of mm-hmm. exercising free will. I mean, the big theme this season is her trying to get to a place where, you, you know, the, the host can, can live in this world and exercise free will, that humanity can exercise free will outside of the constraints of a system that is essentially driving, you know, their destiny. Mm-hmm. And there's a price that is paid for that. You know, yeah. that, that, that not every choice you make is going to end up without consequences. And so Charlotte is going to be an interesting consequence out of all this. Yeah, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, so then, I mean, oh, man. And the the whole, like, bringing back Clementine, I was I was so excited for that. But, of course, I mean, <laughs> you knew it wasn't going to be a major point. You yeah. knew that, you had. I mean, I had a feeling she wasn't going to be a major player, at least in this season. Because there's only there's only but so much time left, and you have so many strings that you need to tie mm-hmm. up or, or do something with. Uh, but it was nice to see it was nice to see her come back. But man, the 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 fight between Maeve and Dolores mm. in like that cor- just uh, not in, I mean it's the whole thing as in that little compound, but in that courtyard where they're kind of under that little like one little shelter, and they each have something set up to take out the other. 
like a drone, and then there was an automatic uh, like sniper rifle. Yes. I think Dolores had. Well, if if we could take a step oh. back for a moment. Fine. What I about to talk about the shooty shooty? But fine. What go ahead. what about that rifle though? I mean, hmm. her approach to that compound using the drone. <laughs> Going yep. through and taking everyone out from from you know the, the grassy knoll. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, <laughs> I'm like it, that is you know not since RoboCop has there been uh, su- such a, a a nasty weapon being wielded upon. Uh, oh, it was it was ridiculous. Oh, that ridiculous. Was, that like, was I I just love the drone targeting system that just you know she's just like taking shots and it's like you know boom 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 done. So. Yeah, and then and then she, when they get in there and she has to like finally take out like the last two guys, she and she's like, "Oh, you were right." As far as like the number of guys in there, <laughs> yes, yes, because she had only taken out so many. I was like, "Oh, that's kind of a nice little nod to Caleb. That was awful nice of you." <laughs> but yeah, that was. It's one of those things where you, I could almost, if if the show hadn't hooked me in so much already, mm-hmm. I would have been like, "That's BS." Yeah. That's BS. That's over the top. I mean, even within the world, that is that is just too much. Mm-hmm. But they do so well with it. You know, it's sort of like Battlestar, where every so often they they'll do something that's like, uh, all right, fine. You you did it well enough, and you don't do it all the time, so I'll let you go on this one. Yeah, yeah. that's how I felt about it. But it, well, I did I did think it was kind of funny and cool at the same time. Oh just yeah. the way they kind of played it. Oh, absolutely. And and to get to your point, I mean, the fight was was fantastic. I mean, that that was so well done. Yeah, um, I love how. Oh, Maeve's dude, have you have you seen? Uh, this is totally off topic, and I apologize. We'll get back to this. Honest, have you seen the the video? It's going around. I think I saw it on on Facebook or something. I'll see if I can find it. Uh, but it was it's a it's like a stunt person, and she's talking about like oh, I wish I could hang out with my friends and this and that. And then basically, it's the stunt person punching the camera, and then it cuts to another stunt person or another actor. Mm-hmm. And they're they're basically having a fu- a virtual fight, oh, and so and so they're <laughs> punching the camera, and then like the next person just like goes toppling over something. Then they come oh back, and then gosh. they punch the camera, or whatever. And and Fandy Newton is one of them. And, oh, but the funny thing is, I think she gets like in her segment, she gets like knocked into the closet, and then her kid has like a sword. I'm like, oh boy, I bet that kid knows how to use that sword. <laughs> You know damn sure may have passed along a few tricks. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, but I, I just I just remember that as we were talking. Anyways, so we're talking about Maeve and Dolores in the fight. I'm no, I, sorry, I, I was just saying I, fired I, there. I just thought it was just a an interesting juxtaposition, not juxtaposition, but just interesting. You had the samurai sword against the high-powered rifle. Um, well, but but also, I mean, it's not like Maeve was completely in the in the dark ages there. I mean, she had the she has a drone hovering around yeah. <laughs> that is, like, ready to take out Dolores. I yep. mean, that's... Yeah, a little bit of firepower too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, man, Thandie Newton and Evan Rachel Wood just badasses. Yes. Just, I, I actually, I want to see, I want to see them in a buddy cop movie. That's what I want right now. Like that, I want that as the new lethal weapon. I want Thandie Newton to be Murtaugh. I want Evan Rachel Wood to be to be Riggs. <laughs> I, I would plunk down money if I could oh, go to a gosh. theater right now. I would. I'm getting I too would, old for this. <laughs> Oh, I would, but with the accent, I oh, dude, yeah. I, we could write that right now. Let's stop recording. Let's write that and see if we can pitch that. Come on, it'd be great. We could do it. We could do it. No, we no, could do it. Eh, no, well. no. Well, I mean, if they can make that crappy TV show, I mean, come on. Yeah, that 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 show wasn't riddled with issues. <laughs> Lethal weapon, the next generation. Oh, just hold on, Rick. Just wait a freaking minute. Uh, that's such a horrible idea. Engage. It actually kind of makes me. 
it makes me cringe. Thief. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> no. Okay. 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 I, I'm now. Now I'm going Leon Getz. Leo Getz. Oh, <laughs> crying out loud. Okay. 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 Um, no. So we we put it in England. Fanny Newton keeps the accent. Evan Rachel Wood comes over from from the from the U.S. Yeah. On assignment. Patrick Stewart is their captain. Shut up, Wesley. It could work. Shut up, Wesley. I'm so in for that. It It'd could be work. So horrible, and yet I am. I would watch the living crap out of it. It could work. <laughs> I think we could make that happen. Someone get Sir Patrick on the phone immediately. Engage. Oh wait, he's busy reading sonnets on Twitter. That's right. Eh, which that's right. Actually, I watched one of those. Oh, I'll, I'll listen to I'll listen to Sir Patrick read the freaking Encyclopedia <laughs> Britannica. <laughs> From like 1983 oh, with yes. all the incorrect information now. I'll listen to that. Anyways, yeah. oh my gosh, we are so off topic. Free um, range. It is I, <laughs> shut up, Wesley. Born free. <laughs> um, anyways, so then, I mean, and then they shoot off Dolores' arm. Well, I, I was going to get to that part because that was, that was nasty. That was nasty. Jeez. I did not see that coming. Yeah. I did not see that coming. Yeah. But this whole idea of Solomon, like kind of being in exile. But they, I mean, the weird thing is like they don't, even though the like he's, they have it there, and maybe you can speak to this from a technological standpoint because mm-hmm. I'm not as smart as you with this stuff. You have this AI that has kind of gone a little, let's say, off. <laughs> right, right. Deve- developed a few interesting quirks, mm-hmm. and and so you isolate it, so it's it's not hooked up to the world at large, we, but you don't wipe it out completely. Right. You just kind of leave it sitting there. I mean, would that be a thing? I mean, something that powerful? Well, I, I think that that is kind of falling in a little bit into the nitpicky realm for me because mm. I, I, I agree. I, I don't, you know, there, there's learning certain truths that have existed across a season of a story. And then there's just kind of, you know, these things, you know, just stumbling into these things that exist. And, and, and part of what I think I struggled a little bit with, I, I mean, I, I love both episodes, don't get me wrong, but a couple questions that kind of came up in thinking about them in retrospect now is that very question which is why on earth if you had something that didn't work you know that mm. that wasn't what you wanted to do why would you leave it running you know what i mean like what what what's the purpose there was solomon didn't i if i'm remembering right because again this is now a couple of weeks gone but uh it wasn't solomon he was it was shut down mm-hmm. but i mean basically it was like hey plug it back in and hey boot up and you know right right I, Hello, Dave. Yes. <laughs> yeah, basically. basically. He back. Like, wouldn't you just wipe that out completely? Like, I mean, unless that was just, you know, um, Sirach's weakness was just, you know, he still had, you know, love and respect for his brother and his brother's creation. Mm. And, yeah, good point. And he good kept point. it. I, I mean, there, there, there was that hologram of him that appeared, you know, when they first arrived where it yeah. assumed it was his brother or something like that. And, and I don't, it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen it. So I don't remember exactly what he says, but he, he clearly had a reason for keeping it around. You know, I think he had an affection for his brother and, and, you know, respect for what his brother did. And yeah. So in that sense, it does make sense. I, what's just funny to me is like, it's just, you, you don't, it's not something that Dolores achieved along the way. She just kind of knew this and just went there, you know, and we're, and we're just kind of along for the ride following her. You know, not not like unlike with Rehoboam, right? Rehoboam was a name we heard of. She gets, you know, part of the story that that gets kind of unraveled as the early part of the season 
uh, takes place is her learning about it, learning where it is, all this other stuff. It's like all of a sudden Solomon just kind of comes up out of nowhere, you know, and they're riding horses well, out in the desert. And it's like, well, h- how did you know about this? Where did you find this? Where, you, you know, it just it just kind of happened, you know, and yeah, that's the part I yeah. felt was kind of a little odd, you know, that it just just happened now all of a sudden. And, you know, how does Serac know that she's going there? Like He sends Maeve there. Yeah. Unless I, well, I mean, unless I missed something along the way, I just I, I didn't really connect the dots of when she understood the, of when Dolores learned this and knew where to go. I can understand the idea of Sirach sending Maeve there because he that is the next logical place. However, I, I do agree that there there is this gap of like, OK, how did you figure this out? However, thinking about how you're going to develop that. You're gonna have to spend an awful lot of time under un- uncovering some of these things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I wonder how much that slows the season down. Yeah, and how much it stretches it out, honestly, and what you what you ditch out because again, an eight episode season, yeah, you got to make some hard choices, and sometimes you just like you know what she knows because she knows, sort of like in, you know, sort of like in Star Wars where it's like, how did he do that? Space magic. Alrighty then. Well, and that's and that's just that's how it works. As, as you were talking, I, I do remember though it was either in episode five, I think it was episode five, when she gets access to Rehoboam and downloads Sirach's file, mm. that she does read up on an awful lot about him, and I'm wondering if that's where she understands that there is this other site where Solomon is, where where his brother and the Outliers are. Um, and maybe that's where she gets that from because it, it does have maybe it was six because at the end of six is when she and Caleb, I think, were getting onto the plane. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's kind of where she understood that when, when she got that download. So in any yeah, case, make a lot of sense. She yeah. she get. Yeah. So so maybe that's the part. And I, and I just missed that. But in any case, they well, end up there. Well, dude, look at how much is in these episodes. It's I mean, honestly, <laughs> that could have been like a throwaway or a, or a, like a 20 second explanation. But there's all this other crap happening in the episode. It's easy to forget that one little bit. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's there's things that you pointed out to me where I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that happened, too, didn't it? Oh, man, these episodes are so dense. Like, I feel yeah. like I could go back and rewatch. I feel like I could go back and rewatch the entire series, like from episode from episode one, season one to now and i probably like oh i get a lot of this now yeah, yeah exactly you know exactly i don't necessarily have that time <laughs> no <laughs> no without not without you know buying an espresso machine which is an added expense i really don't need right now uh just draw it out of the uh, show's petty cash <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> this fine feast you see before you represents the, <laughs> the last, last of, of the, the petty, petty cash, cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah so I mean, and then and then of course we get to well, and, and and so so with Solomon, let's not forget the biggest reveal there is the fact that the outliers weren't really rehabilitated; they were put into stasis. Outliers? Are you going to go again with this whole pronunciation bit? Fine, he's Sirach now, or, or well, and it's and it's pronunciation, not pronu- pronunciation. <laughs> Joseph and the Shepherds. <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> <sighs> Well, I, I thought you were talking about the Langoliers. I thought we were. T- I, then I'm like, well, are we in a Stephen King the podcast Langoliers? now? Langoliers? What the? No. Don't you remember that was a so that was a Stephen King novel? And then I don't, don't ask me why I remember this. This is like, again, I wish I had useful knowledge taking up space in my brain, but I've got crap like this. So there was a mini series. I think it was back in the '90s, based on a Stephen King book called The Langoliers, 
and mm-hmm. one of the main characters in that uh, was played by none other than actor Bronson Pinchot of uh, Perfect <laughs> Strangers. Don't be ridiculous. Wow. I, again, I, I had no I, idea. I wish I had stuff that could do me good, and this is why, you know, this is why I am who I am, honestly. This milestone in entertainment was brought to you by the memories of Dodd. Thank you, Uncle Walter. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Anyways, <laughs> you do that really well. Like, I, you could tell me anything in that voice, and I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, sure." I mean, he. Did you hear him? Did you hear? Would, would that voice lie to you, Luke? I am your father. Okay, I don't know about that. <laughs> that's, but that's another voice that you trust. Like James Earl Jones tells you some stuff. You're like, "Yep, yep okay, I believe it." Um, right on. I believed I believed him in like Doctor Strange Love, like you know. <laughs> I, I was I'm totally in on him. Yes, yes. yes. Listen to the listen to him. Anyways, <sighs> where were we again? Where? Oh yeah, I was West trying World. to bring out. We we're the talking point about the killer robots. That the out, right. that the outliers, <laughs> outliers. I don't know which way to put it. The outliers. 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 Yes, uh, Malcolm Gladwell thanks you as well. Uh, yes, uh, were. Instead of being rehabilitated, as we were led to believe, uh, from rehabilitated by Rehoboam. Yes, uh, they were put into stasis, and so basically, Sirach has been um, collecting them, so to speak, and putting them kind of off to the side, if you will, like um, matchbox cars. <laughs> basically, <laughs> which which Jeez. which is kind of an interesting discovery they make because it really kind of continues to build upon the treachery that that he's you know, unleashed on the world through through his machine. That he's mm-hmm. taking people who could live very full lives and, you know, basically puts them into a sleeping state, you know, where they can't Well, which is interesting because at the same time, I mean, it is devious and it is, you know, like you say, it reveals how much of a villain he is, but he's not killing them. Sure. Like there there is this weird kind of uh, but again, I mean, this is a dude who just like who killed somebody in cold blood with his bare hands in a plane crash a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can't it's not like you're giving the Nobel Prize, but it, it again, it's it's this you can't quite it's varying shades of gray all the way around. Yeah. There is no. Oh, absolute Darth Vader evil evil <laughs> and lily white clear as the, you know, new driven snow. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has like is somewhere in that gray area. Yeah. You know, it it's it's it doesn't let you off the hook. Yep. And and even his brother. And and so you almost wonder in some ways if, if Solomon remaining as, as he is, I mean, his brother was in stasis as well, but kind of at the terminal you, you know, where where the terminal for Solomon is. Mm. Um and so you almost think of it as a memorial that maybe, you know, Sarah created for him. Um yeah. in some ways. Um, like an extraordinarily creepy, devious, like evil memorial. Yes. So that's twist number one, and then of course twist number two is we end up finding out what Caleb's you know true past has been. Yeah. And oh. the fact that he was one of the few who were rehabilitated. Yep. And through that rehabilitation, was used by Sirach to round up the ones, uh, the the other out, outliers who needed to be collected and basically, you know, put into stasis. Mm. So th- those were, that's a pretty big one, two punch, you know, from, from yeah. a character story perspective that 
this character who has been, you know, kind of you're, you're trying to piece together. If there's any disorienting thing that that really existed this season, that's what that was a main one because he's having these flashbacks and we don't understand what they mean. Well, the thing is, I kind you kind of knew something was gonna change. You you knew something because you keep on seeing these flashbacks and sort of like with with Battlestar Galactica Razor when we kept on seeing the flashbacks of, of Kendra and that the massacre on the Scylla, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. If I'm correct on that, it's a miraculous pull. But the but that massacre, you kept on seeing that, and then every time you get a little bit more, or, or just from a different angle, really, no, not much more information. Right. But it's kind of the same with this. Like, you kept on seeing it, you're like, oh, something is going to, there's got to be some sort of reveal here. Mm-hmm. There's got to be. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we got it, and it was kind of in a big, bad way of, oh, my gosh, yeah, dude ended up t- taking out his best friend. <laughs> Well, and, and, and I think in some ways, you know, the writers were kind of playing with us a little bit because of the, the prior seasons, because he kept kind of in the early co- first couple episodes, he was kind of waking up and, and you got the sense he was in kind of this like loop. Yeah. And there was a lot of theories that he was a host, um, mm-hmm. that, that he was just a host we hadn't seen before, um, who was there to carry out, you know, something for Dolores. Um, but it turns out he wasn't. He was he, he he was just you know a human who had a a past that was kind of wiped from his mind, or or at least you know it, it was left in in a state where he couldn't completely piece it all together. Mm-hmm. But you find out that 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 crime app he was using was really Rehoboam directing him to different people that needed. Yeah, I to mean, be... he might as well be a host. Well, right, really, right. Uh, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, he's just been through fewer loops, yeah. really. I mean, when you when you think about what the loop for a host was, it means they die. Yeah. You know, for him, it was like, hey, we got to this point. All right, wipe him down and patch him back up and send him out. Yep. You know, you might as well just have the piano playing, you know, Black Hole Sun as he comes as we go back into the town again. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the songs, wasn't it? There was a, there was a couple of them that were like they were all like '90s grunge tunes too, which was kind mm-hmm. of funny. Mm-hmm. Anyways, flashbacks of season one. Yes. Yes. But then, of course, I mean, and man, so all the stuff goes down at the Solomon, you know, abandoned garage lair place. And then, and, and then, of course, we get Bernard learning about all this and basically saying, like, oh, it's not, it's not Dolores. It's, you know, Caleb is going to be the one who's going to destroy humanity. That would be what Dolores' plan is. Yeah, yeah. Which... Again, I'm simple-minded. I was like, "What?" You know, and you know, yeah, that was that was me at like two in the morning watching that. But oh man, and then of course, will you know, Man in Black? I'm gonna kill all the hosts. Well, gee, there's there's a shocker. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. That's another nit where it's like I I don't really understand the the change that took place with him. You know what I mean? Like like we we went from a place with him earlier in the season where you thought he was gonna change in some way or, or develop in some fashion you know based on these visions he was seeing of his daughter of Dolores and he's really just kind of back on the same path he always I, I mean what's different between this William and the William who went to Westworld well here's the thing is he was in control in Westworld mm-hmm. he was he was Jules from Pulp Fiction he was a bad mother shut your mouth he, uh, exa- well, yeah. Then we go back to Shaft. 
Oh, such a great soundtrack. Anyways, um, and such a great movie. By the way, if you have not seen the original, I'm not talking about the Sam, uh, J- Sam Jackson shaft. You know, like, again, I love Sam Jackson. Go get yourself the original Richard Roundtree <laughs> OG <laughs> shaft. And then, and then I, I, one of these days, I am hoping to get Shaft, Shaft's big score, and Shaft in Africa on like Blu-ray. That then I will be a happy person. There you but go. then again, that's just that's just me. But oh my gosh. Anyways, uh, so but he was a bad man yeah. in in Westworld because he couldn't be killed. Mm-hmm. You know, he was playing the game on easy mode, mm-hmm. and at that point, the the hosts are toys. Now it's like there's a threat, and even though he was in control of the company and he owned all this IP and owned all the information, he's making money off the hosts. Uh, now it's, no, all of you are done. Yeah. I actually see that as almost, to me it isn't kind of going, it's not reverting, it's an it's an escalation yeah. to me. That's how I see it. No, I could see that. I could see that. It, it it just seemed like just kind of an odd turn. I mean, like we don't really ever get resolution to the visions he saw. I I I had yeah. proposed an idea back when we, I think we were talking about episodes three and four that the vision he saw of Dolores was something that you know she had you know put into his mind you know through mm-hmm. what, whatever vir- virtual lensing they use where you know Sirac would appear and disappear. Um, yeah. But no, I mean it just it, it kind of started with him having these memories of his daughter and then it just like stopped you know and 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 i don't know that that episode where he was facing all the different versions of himself was any way of resolving what happened to his daughter well i think it just kind of pulled out of it that he's just a very violent you know he's violent by nature and i don't know maybe that is the resolution to it yeah and kudos to you for not going for the easy naughty by nature joke uh, I, I totally welcome. would have done that. You're welcome. Anyways, I, I keeping I, it real, the baby. The problem, <laughs> the problem here is that it's a show in progress. This wasn't the series finale. This was the season finale. We know there's going to be a Westworld season four. You know, mm-hmm. um, and because uh, Jonathan Nolan has already started talking about, you know, hoping that evan rachel wood will be back and all this and yeah we know that we know we know that there's more to come so i don't know that we can complete it's it's easy to say like this season man i wish i'd gotten more of william's story arc i wish i would have known more i wish this that and the other well maybe that'll pay off in season four i don't know maybe that string is left hanging for a specific reason i i don't know I wish that Ed Harris had had a lot more to do, even though every time he was on screen, I was like, this is going to be good. And and very rarely did it disappoint in terms of a performance. I do wish there'd been more background, but I'm I'm wondering if that's one of those things that we're it's it's really being held out as a carrot for season four. Like, OK, then we're going to pay off this whole man in black thing. And that has a little bit to do with what we see in in, uh, in episode eight. Yeah. That's just my that's my hope. Mm-hmm. I re- that's my hope. Uh that and that we get an Anthony Hopkins like guest spot in season 4. That would be kind of cool. I w- I would just love that. Even as like a hologram just to pop back. Like, oh good lord. Oh. Anyways. Oh, and there's a actually I'll post a there's a <laughs> there's a uh, there's a video of Evan Rachel Wood on one of the late night shows and she was talking about acting with Anthony Hopkins and it is freaking hilarious i'll have to find that and post that 
So, nice. anyways, any any other thoughts for for episode seven? Um, no, I mean, I I think that that's really the the crux of it is just the you know that this was being the penultimate you know episode of the season. Ooh, um, good vocab word. Well, uh, thank you that I pronounced it right. Um, oh. ha, 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 ha. Uh, I, I I think the core of it was just th- those two big revelations about Caleb. Like we we knew he had a role to play. It wasn't clear what that was. It became very apparent, and it really tees everything up for for episode eight. And you know, again, you know, I talked about this our last Westworld episode that you know we we don't really have a clear picture of what. Yeah, I know Bernard says what he says about Dolores in terms of what she's trying to do, but I don't know mm-hmm. that we we really still understand what it is she's trying to do. We we know she's trying to disrupt the real world, but yeah. but what is the end result? Like, what is her goal? And I do think in episode eight they do pay that off. I I, I think they do come to yeah. a place where oh. they where they finally kind of you know get to an explanation of of what she's been trying to get after a cor- uh, you know across these eight episodes. You know, Maeve I feel too is kind of. Like, I, I, I know she's been, you know, partnering with Ciroc. I know she's been kind of, you know, chasing down Dolores in the real world. We don't really have a sense of her goal either. But again, I mm-hmm. think in episode eight that there's some closure or, or some some resolution that's brought to that. And and I think that's that that's a really, you know, great. It's just an ingenious thing the writers did with it to, to just have these two characters who are opposed. We don't really understand why. We don't really understand what their true goals are. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're there and they're, they're functioning in opposition to each other. Um, yeah. and so it, it, you know, it was a nice, you know, like you said, the fight between them, fantastic, um, just kind of moved the story forward. But then, you know, Dolores just seems to have a plan, you know, she, she, she has the domino set up and she's just knocking them down. Um, so yeah. at the end when she hits the EMP and knocks them both out that, you know, just again, she, she's just one step ahead constantly of, of Ciroc and Maeve. Yeah. And so then we get to episode eight, which is crisis theory, which could have basically been the subtitle for the entire season. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. The summary reads thusly. (gasps) Caleb takes Dolores' host control module to a new body in Los Angeles, and the two make their way through the riots to Insight to plant the control module from Solomon into Rehoboam. Charlotte sends a message to Dolores that she will be working against her as revenge for the death of Charlotte's family. Maeve fights Dolores to retrieve the key for Ciroc and Dolores' body is disabled. Maeve takes her to Ciroc where she is connected to Rehoboam. (gasps) Ciroc has her memories deleted when she refuses to give Ciroc the host data. Dolores' memories begin deleting quickly. And in her last moment, she inspires Maeve to turn against Ciroc. Maeve proceeds to kill Ciroc's men and wounds Ciroc in the ensuing gunfight. Rehoboam is deleted by Caleb, now with full control, and he and Maeve leave Insight. Bernard survives the fight with William, but Ashley is shot. He is given an address in a package by the Lawrence host, who has been recruited by Dolores. The address leads Bernard to the home of Arnold's widow, where the two bond over Charlie's death. (gasps) He realizes that Dolores gave him the key to the sublime because Rehoboam has been delaying the collapse of society, not preventing it. He enters the sublime to find answers on how to rebuild. William travels to Delos' Dubai headquarters, where he is seemingly killed by a host replica of himself with the help of Charlotte. Sometime later, Bernard returns from the sublime into his body, now covered in dust. <laughs> Do you want me to give you a couple minutes to collect yourself after that? No, hang on a second. <laughs> and collect himself he will. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. 
is military. It, it is. It <laughs> I mean, is. Good Lord. Oh, my that's, gosh. That's a movie, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. That is what we like to call in the business a flipping movie. Well, okay? when I started this episode and I saw that clocked in at about an hour 29, I'm like, oh, boy, <laughs> buckle up, kids. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going for a ride. You make sure you slide on the depends for this one because you don't even want to pause it. Even though this is streaming and you can pause it, <laughs> just don't do it. Don't do it don't because bother. you're going to be so tense. You can't even pee. Yeah. So just don't even bother. Nope. Just let it all go. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. You know, I, I feel like we just gave people a lot more information about us than they ever needed to have. Well, you may have. I'm just sitting here listening. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Funny thing is, you're the older of the two, so you're going to be in the Depends quicker, Well, sir. you know, that is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, this episode. Yeah. Oh, um, so, I mean... Uh, <laughs> you okay over there? Jeez. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Buford T. Justice. I'm as confused as a baby raccoon. <laughs> like I, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not even sure what the hell that means, but oh. Jackie Gleason said it, so, you know, and and it is in one of, the, like, the touchstones of my youth, Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey so and I, the Bandit. I love going. it. Oh, that my was gosh. an attention getter, oh. a movie that you could not make, like, not you couldn't even make that movie in, like, 1988. Forget now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, in the late 80s, you couldn't have made that one. All right, back to the subject at hand, because then we'll talk about Smokey and the Bandit for the next hour and a half. And we don't so, need that, please. Well, no, actually, that's another episode. Th- this, yeah. this, uh, I mean, good Lord. Yes. I mean, just to ride this out. I mean, it was the, the whole thing where all of a sudden in the middle of a gunfight, you have like, you have, uh, you know, Charlotte phone a friend or, or well, phone a friend of me and, and, and like calling in. And, and then that whole thing where, where, uh, oh, my gosh, what's the uh, what's the app called? Oh, the crime app. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I am remember. Blanking Shoot. on it. Anyways. Yeah. So, anyways, but using the and this is one of the things that I I thought was so clever because I had kind of wondered before. Like, I wonder if people like go back and forth on this. Like, they find out someone's after them and then they they start topping the amount that's posted to do something to them if they get wind of it. And and that using that, I thought was kind of cool. Like, oh, okay, yeah. how much? Yeah, like, how much is she paying him? Double it. Yep. To walk to shoot her, shoot their partner, and walk away. Yes. And then you just hear that boom. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, and just silence. You're like, already. I guess that worked. Um, but oh my gosh, that whole thing. Like all all of a sudden you see that was like the one moment when you see Dolores. All of a sudden, like, oh, I was ahead of everybody except myself yeah and this is where what you had said before becomes really pertinent this is dolores's big weakness that she trusts nobody else but herself mm-hmm. and now it's gonna bite her in the ass in a humongous cujo like way yes well i i oh i, I kind of like the beginning of the episode where it's kind of the quiet before the storm with caleb getting her pearl to some predetermined location. Um, oh my gosh, that thing where they where where he turns over her body and then like you you see. I mean, of course, it's horrible. Like seeing the back. I mean, but she's a robot. Yeah. And knowing that like the the pearl has been pulled out, mm-hmm. that was like, oh, of course. Why didn't I think of that? Yep. Which anyway, which is on, also sorry. the weakness of what of her strategy because anytime mm. one of her host bodies gets killed, you know, Sarah can get access to her pearl. 
mm. and and you know tap into what she knows or tap into something right i mean that's kind of yeah. what we saw in like episode six i think when Maeve had that discussion with her um mm-hmm. in that virtual world and so yeah so you know i found it interesting that you know he takes it to this place where she had a, a basically an old school version of her of, of her body basically in this like casket um you know that that it's an old school in the sense that it was just the old kind of it was like a frame of of a human body as opposed to like an actual you know like materialized woven together well body that it was a it was in a you know a, a diy model kit it was sort of like what your son's been assembling except instead of an a-wing yes it's a dolores yes <laughs> but 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 i thought that was like the very first version of what hosts were before you know anthony hopkins character perfected before ford perfected you know kind of the ability to make them very real oh actually yeah now that you think about it right now that i think about it not that you think about it because you have thought about it sorry uh yeah no actually that makes a lot of sense now that you mention it i hadn't thought of that you're welcome all right, You're welcome. Great. I've got more crap to think about now. Thank you. You do. So, so she gets herself pulled together, has a conversation with Caleb, but then like pulled together, she pulls on an arm, dude. That's it. Yeah, yeah. She pulls on an arm. It's probably other parts she pulls on. Um, which is the creepiest thing ever to see, just like a head yeah. and an arm. Yes. And then the rest, like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was different. Yeah. Uh, but then it's uh, gunfight USA. Um, you yes. know, she, she's she and Caleb navigating the streets. She's fighting here, there, and everywhere, taking people out. But you can tell she's on a mission. Which uh, would have been great if they managed to work like a, just a quick Matrix quote in there, like "I need guns, lots of guns. lots of guns." Which, by the way, they use that quote in John Wick, and I jumped off my couch <laughs> when I heard it because I was like, <laughs> "Yes, the circle is complete." <laughs> Anyways. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, like like she basically goes on this rampage and she's just um, you know, fighting her way to get to inside as much as she can. Sends Caleb off in a different direction. You know, has another clash with Maeve who, you know, she's getting the better of. And then as you said, then all with of a sudden with the sword dragging on like the cement. Oh. Yes. Jeez, that was a such a badass way to enter. Like, oh my gosh. Fandy Newton was just like I just love it how you made me a badass in it. Like, I, oh. <laughs> oh. Good Lord. I want to see her in everything now. But, but I'm, you know what? I am. I'm, after we finish recording this episode, I'm going to write the pilot for this. Okay. All I'm right. going to write the script for this. All right. Lethal Weapon goes, in, goes London. I love it. London Weapon. Oh, dude. There it is. Thank you. I want executive producer credits now. Anyways. I don't know, how that, I don't know if it works that oh, way. Uh, but okay. I'll, All right. I'll see what I can do. But, uh, you know, again, I, I have to ask the question here, much as I, we were talked in, in the prior episode, I, I, again, I don't understand what Maeve is doing, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, let's say she does just get the better of Dolores without what happened with Charlotte, right? Mm-hmm. She brings him to Sirach. What is her payoff? Is it just that she goes to the Sublime, or is he going to somehow bring her daughter back? Or I, it, it just it feels so, like, not tangible what it is she's going for. I'm, you know, I'm not sure about that. I feel that's like another one of those things that if you really start picking at it, you start pulling like the thread yeah. on your, you know, on your, the yarn on your sweater. And all of a sudden then you realize you got a short sleeve sweater. I was going to say, before you know it, the sleeve falls off. You're just like, what the heck did I just do? Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I, I feel like that's one of those things. Right. Uh, but I also feel like Maeve is one of those characters that I never quite believe that Maeve is just 
going to play along and be the ally. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's partly just the the Maeve character. Right. Where you, again, you might, the writers, I'm guessing, might have felt like, okay, we always, we know that Maeve is always going to do what's best for Maeve. So there's this aura of, she wouldn't have just gone along with Ciroc just to, right. and done exactly what he said. I, that's that's all I can think of because I think she does. She wants her daughter. I'm not sure where it would have happened because it it's not really explained. Yeah. But man, I, yeah. I, I as someone who loves the show, I would have loved a ninth and tenth episode so that we could have spent an episode talking about a couple of these things. Yeah. But that's just me. I can see where maybe the the vast majority of the audience wouldn't have. Yeah. Right. Right. But. You know, in the end, she she and Dolores have a fight. Dolores is getting the better of her, and then the Charlotte message comes in, where mm-hmm. her version, her, you know, the Dolores version um, in the body of Charlotte, who we haven't seen since the explosion happened, basically sends her a message which causes her to basically shut down. Yeah, and so you know, really, Maeve doesn't have to do anything. You know, at that point, I was wondering what the heck she was going to do because I thought she was going to rip a pearl out of her head and just, you know, bring it to Ciroc. You know, it's mm. like it was kind of interesting that they that she brought her to him completely intact because I just assumed her goal was to just retrieve that. But yeah. um, but but basically, you know, we're kind of fast forwarding to, to, to some degree to, to the point where they're at Rehoboam. Um, he's wiring Dolores up to it because his main goal is to get the key the the encrypted key for the, the sublime from her so that <laughs> he can then you, you know because again his whole goal which is very clearly stated in the early part of the season is he knows that at the park they they figured out whatever the coding is for humanity to understand what you know what makes humans run in the loops that they run in mm-hmm. and he's trying to take that and then use that as a means of further progressing Rehoboam's algorithm to control humanity because now once he knows this it'll i think more accurately be able to predict you know who who is of use and who is not you know and, and now good in the in the very first episode at the very end when when Sirak is talking with Maeve didn't he basically say like we lose yes yeah he he, he basically says says to her we're I, you know he he knows he's fighting a battle that we're predicted to lose yeah okay so he, he already knows, and, and that does make sense because the whole point of Rehoboam was to prevent humanity from collapsing upon itself, you know, and, yeah. and that whole thing. So so we get that, at least that aspect of Maven Dolores getting to Rehoboam, and then, you know, Caleb's journey to getting to Rehoboam was a little different, where he's kind of going through the streets, and I, I'm trying to remember, was there anything of real significance that happens? Because I know he fu- kind of gets caught up with this, like, group of hired guns that I think Dolores kind of contracted out to protect him, I think. At some point we get Lawrence who comes back. Yep. Which was fan friggin' tastic. Oh, I, I, I love that character back in, back in the day. Mm -hmm. It was so good to see. Like, again, it was one of those deals where it's almost like the final, you know, final season of a show and they start bringing back all the characters and everybody, you know, the studio audience like gives everybody a standing ovation just for showing up. I was like, oh, oh, it's Lawrence. Yep. Sweet. Yep. But yeah, uh, I don't remember that exactly, though. Okay. I, I don't remember that. Because uh, he, he meets up. Yeah. So so Bernard meets up with Lawrence, right, to get the briefcase. Yes. Who yeah. Who is disguised as a 
I think we're in LA. So I think he's an LAPD guy, which is interesting because it's like how many other hosts are running around? Because like Clementine's still out there, right? Yep. So we again, again, there's a bunch of strings that are yes, there's a bunch of bunch of threads that are left untied that are uh, that are not tied off at the end of this, which is yes. why I feel like the whole William Man in Black thing, his and Bernard will get paid off next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think there's a point where Caleb hooks up with his old thief people. Uh, mm. What was Marshawn Lynch's character name? Oh, son, I knew you were going to Not say Not that. Mumbles, right? It wasn't Mumbles. She ain't going to leave the house. 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 I thought, maybe it was a Giggles? It might be giggles. Maybe it's giggles. Maybe that's what it is. So he hooks back up with them, which I thought was hysterical because there's one part where he gets to the line of cops and that character, Marshawn Lynch's character, basically is doing a standard running back Blow, oh, yeah. blow through the line sort of maneuver <laughs> to bust and open it, the line. <laughs> and it. it is giggles. I just found it. But, oh, yeah, he totally just, like, he goes from halfback to fullback. Oh, like, that he was just blocking and just blowing up the hole. I was like, I, I oh, was laughing. That's one of those things where they're like, Marshawn, so we want you to just, like, you know what? I know this part. <laughs> you just tell them all to get ready. Hang on. <laughs> you, you just say, roll it, and I'll take care of the rest. And, boy, does he ever do yeah. that. It was fantastic. He throws his body oh, into it. And throws it one yeah. more time. He busts a hole in the line, and then he's just he's off to the races. It was fantastic. Yeah. So that 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 was cool. But but essentially, all of that does is just get Caleb to basically the flying drone thing, where he gets in and gets flown to Insight, um, mm-hmm. where he again gets there, tries to insert the they call it the strategy uh, that that Solomon you know gave him. Can't do it um, because he gets intercepted by Maeve and and Sirox goons. And then that's how he gets brought into the room of where they are with Rehoboam. So now we have yeah. Caleb, Maeve, Dolores, Sirach, basically all the players in that mm-hmm. room. And and this is where the core of how everything kind of winds up, you know, uh, or how everything kind of is getting drawn to resolution for the season, you know, kind of here. Yes. Because that's where – so as he's trying to get the encrypted key, he's slowly deleting the memories of Dolores. Mm. like one by one and so she's having to relive all of this stuff but as we as she's reliving it we come to find out some very interesting things about what her purpose is and what she's trying to do and this is like the ultimate horror for her like as yes. as a as someone who has gone through so much to uncover her memories yes and to uncover who she is to have those taken away from her is like the ultimate horror yes that is the ultimate like oh my gosh you can't do this to me sort of thing yep yeah Oh my, and and then to, and then to have Maeve in there, and then oh, and, and that and that line to come back, and there was a couple times, at least two, that I I could pinpoint. But of course, the, the you know there's ugliness in this world, disarray. I choose to see the beauty. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, to to like, I damn near cried. I'm just telling you right now mm-hmm. when they when they were in the old school Westworld, and and like that line was recited. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man, like all of a sudden, like this this line that was said back in the day by this, you know, this farm girl, and it's supposed to be kind of like, oh, she's whimsical and this and that and the other, and now to have this 
heaviness to it yeah. and this weight to it. Yeah. And and to that be the turning point of like her saying, "No, this is this is what I'm about." Oh, damn. Well, those writers are too damn good. I'm just telling you right now. They're just too damn absolutely. good. Absolutely. And 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 to have it be with Maeve, you know, and, and I don't remember exactly. I think Maeve is just kind of wire wirelessly kind of connecting up with her. I I can only assume mm. um where she kind of has this moment with her in in this you know, kind of throwback to, to the Westworld, you know, uh, scene mm-hmm. where, yeah, she basically reveals to her what her, her true purpose is. And this is the kind of the turning point for Maeve where she sees that Dolores isn't just about tearing the world down, but she she's doing it for a purpose of trying to then allow the world to rebuild itself so that both human and host can coexist. Yeah. Because she, she and, and so what else is revealed is that Caleb uh, along with the past that we learned about him, where he was military and so forth, that they did exercises at another part of the park. Oh, and she, yeah, which makes so much sense. It's like which stupid. Does. Yeah. <laughs> and he was part of a crew where they finish an exercise and the guys realizing that these these women that they just saved are all hosts were going to take liberties with them. I'll just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, spoils of war, I believe. Yes, and and Caleb stands up and says, "No, let's just you know kind of." But but it was that simple act of 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 him steering the troop away from that mm-hmm. that resonated and you know resonated with Dolores. And what I found interesting watching that scene, and it was a very subtle thing they did, was to see how vulnerable Dolores looked in that moment. Oh yeah, that, that, that she she understood how she had just been spared some some horrific you know sort of activity. Uh, man, ever Rachel Wood, so good. Which, which we haven't seen Dolores exhibit oh. in like three seasons. No, you know what I mean. No. Like it, it was, it, it was very different to see her in that in that sort of position. Mm-hmm. But she says to Maeve, like, "This is why I chose him." You know. So now we come to understand that it wasn't by chance that you know that that she connected with him. She yeah. remembered him from his time in the park. She remembered that he used his free will to choose to spare them. Yeah. And well, and, and, that also, she, and that's what she believes in is is that ability for for humanity to make those kinds of choices. Yes. And also keep in mind, I mean one of the things is that that for Cal, he is a violent person. Yeah. And and that's one of the the aspects that's kind of revealed is that and that is pointed out that like, oh my gosh, you did this, you did this, you did this. Yep. And it reveals this other side of it. Because you just had the reveal of like, oh my gosh, he actually he actually killed his friend. He actually did this, and then you know, and all these horrible things. But yet there was this all there was this other aspect of him, right, right. You know that that in, that whole again, it's it's all gray area. There, there's no pure good and there's no pure bad guy in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! And then we even, we actually skipped over the whole thing with Bernard, which oh my gosh, Bernard with like Arnold's wife. As an elderly woman yep. talking about Charlie's. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I was going to get to him last because he, he's, he's such a key. Oh, hey, by the way, that that crime app was called Rico. Rico. That's right. Rico. Okay. So the thing with that was the idea of. And I, I'm going to probably hunt around for this, but the idea that you have, you know, Bernard, who has played through all of this. Mm-hmm. And and still clings on to these these cornerstone, you know these cornerstone moments these these core memories, and to go through that with 
Arnold's wife and to, to really kind of, re- oh my gosh, that was, yeah. going back to season one and season two and, and you just bring that up. Like one of the things in the Ringer app that was kind of, was mentioned was like, oh, you have like Jeffrey Wright and Ed Harris are two of like the most accomplished actors in the show. First of all, I call BS on that because Fandy Newton and Evan Rachel Wood, damn. And then I, I can't remember the guy who plays Ciroc. I can't remember his name right now. But come on, you're gonna you're seriously gonna like diminish those other actors seriously? Vincent Cassell. Like, yeah, there you go. All of them really effing good. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Let's just leave it at that. But you know what? For the like the 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 little that they've had Jeffrey Wright in this, that scene, I'm like, that's why you have him in that spot because there he acted his ass off. That scene wrecked me, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was watching that like this is ridiculously good, mm-hmm. ridiculous, and I can't remember the actress's name. And I, I apologize right now to all of the world for not knowing her name. Uh, but oh my gosh, that scene was amazing. Was just fantastic, fantastic. Um, but I just wanted to, I wanted to make sure we didn't gloss over. That. Oh yeah, and I know you're gonna yeah. you're gonna get to that. But I just want to kind of put it also in kind of chronological order because I believe that happened before the Maeve kind of after she comes out of the yes. thing with Dolores. Yeah, when she basically goes medieval on well everybody. Yeah, except Cal. <laughs> yeah, and and so then we're left with with Ciroc wounded, Cal and Maeve. And Rehoboam going, uh, new phone, who dis? When Sirach is asking for uh, for him, t- for it to do things. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the reveal that Sirach is essentially parroting what Rehoboam tells him. Oh, yeah, that was crazy. I mean, but yet it also makes sense. And I can see where people would be pissed off about that. But yet it also makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think I think that was a huge reveal because it, it really kind of tears down the the perspective you have about this character. Like like you, you look at him like he is and, and he probably still is an intelligent person because let's face it, mm-hmm. he and his brother created these systems. Yeah. But you get the sense in, in that moment when, you know, Maeve realizes he's being fed these lines, you know, she intercepts whatever, you know, whatever magic she can work where she can tap into these systems she she knows that Rehoboam's you know communicating through him and to have him be revealed as just a parrot or a puppet as opposed to someone who actually has you know some some free will of his own and and some you know some measure of strength and uh and and just ability you know it's it it was very I I thought that was a very interesting reveal I thought it was it was well done because it because afterwards you see how you know, I think what I, I texted you when we were kind of texting back and forth about the show last week, you know, I said he he's he's a husk of a man. Yeah, he he has like once Ray Boehm has been basically shut down when when Caleb is successful in uploading the Solomon strategy into Ray Boehm to essentially, you know, delete the system. So the so Ray mm-hmm. Boehm is no more. He has nothing. And he doesn't yeah. know what to do with himself. You know what I mean? He he, he is lost. He is without purpose. And now he doesn't know what what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and it for goes the first back time to what we were talking time. about for like, uh, you know, maybe it was the last episode of the episode before when I was talking about 
how I felt like somehow the system had accounted for a, uh, the absence of Ciroc. Mm-hmm. I was, I mean, I was probably, you know, a little bit off center on that. I was wrong, but I was, I wasn't that far wrong, I guess, in, in that they didn't, it didn't account for his absence or for, for his being a wild card. It controlled him. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I- in a way that is accounting for him. In, in in a very kind of roundabout way, I guess you could say. Yeah. But a very direct way, if you understand, if you have the 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 godlike perspective, uh, you know, third person perspective on it. But man, oh yeah, and 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 the look on his, like you were saying, like he is, he's a complete husk. Because what do you do now? Right. What do you do when that's been your, that has been leading you all this time, and now you are robbed of all your, your tricks and all the things that worked before. Yeah. That's rough. It is. And, 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 you know, one of the nits I have to pick here, though, is I feel like at the end of this, though, they across episode seven and eight, they try so hard with Dolores and then with Maeve to infuse Caleb with purpose. But I feel like at the end of this, we understand what Dolores's purpose is. We understand Maeve has bought in. And now humanity and the world is set on a path where there is going to be some some demise at some point. But what is Caleb's purpose now at this point? I, I mean, I feel like at the end of this, he isn't really the leader that Dolores was trying to help him realize he needed to be. He's just he was really just a pawn in all of this. Well, so here's the thing. And here's where the second instance of a line from season one comes back. When when Maeve and and Ka- and Cal are on that overpass, and 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 Maeve says it's a new world, and in this world you can be whoever the f you want to be, mm-hmm. and it's a paraphrasing of her line from the first season. Yeah, but I feel like in a way it's teeing up, like season four to be okay. Who is Cal going to be? Yeah, like, this is who Dolores thinks he's going to be. This is who Bernard thinks he's going to be. This is maybe even who Maeve thinks he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who is he going to be? I, I feel it's more of a teeing up and a, and a clearing of the decks. It's, it's a shaking of the etch-a-sketch, if you will. Yeah. Uh, to go completely old school and show my age. That now we're not really sure mm-hmm. who he is. And I don't feel like that's a question that necessarily needs to be answered. Because really, at the end of... I mean, honestly, this uh, 50% of this season has been... The world is in chaos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're no closer to it not being in chaos. We've actually plunged it further into chaos because we've yanked out the one, like, safety feature that we had. You know? We have cut the world's one parachute. Mm-hmm. Now what happens? Right. Well, right. who knows? Uh, so I, I agree that is a nit to pick. I guess I see it more of as a springboard. And it could be, depending on where they go in season four. Absolutely. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I think it's all dependent on season four. I would, I'm wondering exactly how, if they have in mind, if, if, if Nolan has in mind a timeline for how many seasons this story goes over, or if it's a bit of kind of taking advantage of opportunities as they come along and, and, and maybe having a vague notion, but a very, a very vague notion mm-hmm. of how it goes. Or if he's like, nope, at the end of season four, this will be done. I thought I, I read I, they're shooting for six. That would be interesting because, man, that is, I mean, then we're halfway through. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. What are you going to do in three freaking seasons? 
Well, I would three, think at some it, point you're going to you're going to be back at the Mesa. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it, but it's going to be three seasons. I mean, if they do it the way they did this one, if it's just three seasons of eight episodes, that's that's not a whole lot. I mean, well, but dude, think of where they've come in freaking twenty four episodes I know, now. I know. Where are they going to be in forty eight? It's going to be Westworld in space. Yeah, could be. <laughs> We're going to find out this entire thing has been taking place in a com- supercomputer on Jupiter. Yeah. By the way, if that actually happens, I want credit for that. <laughs> you want executive producer credit? Um, no, I just, I just want some, I want some fake internet points for that. Before we get to kind of the ending points, though, I, I, I do want to, yeah. not gloss over the fact that this is essentially the end of the Dolores character, as far as we know right now. That that she, well, she is essentially terminated at this point. Terminate. With extreme prejudice. Yes, and that is actually a part of the ringer. And I'll I'll post the link to this because we've been yeah. referring to this, and I liked it on on Twitter. But you know, who knows who's following us on Twitter? And you know what? Follow us on Twitter at Free Range Idiocy. Uh, but anyways, uh, so they basically said in an interview with with Nolan that he said yes, Dolores is gone. However, he's hoping that Evan Rachel Wood will come back. Which is again, the beautiful thing about this show is you can have a character mm-hmm. die. Yep. But then bring the actor back and say, hey, no, they're this person now. And everyone goes, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, right. why not? Yep. Because everything doesn't mean anything and who knows and good Lord. It's all a Chinese puzzle box yes. at, at the end of the day. Uh, but I, I, apparently uh, they're hoping that Rachel, uh, Evan Rachel Wood will be back. Which, which, which is kind of a huge moment because, I mean, she has been the main – you know, one of the main protagonists for the last three seasons. And she is, yeah. you know, her, her, her character has now been kind of ratcheted down to an end, even though there are other versions of her still in the world. It's not mm. the version that, that, you know, this actress was, was portraying. So, yeah. So it'll be interesting. But then I guess that brings us to then the, the last two threads we have to pull on, which is Bernard at the end. Oh my God. And, and hopefully Diana everybody Black. watched after the credits. Because it was a good like. If you don't the, watch after the credits, then I don't know what you've been doing the last three seasons. For goodness sakes, people. That was like that was like a. I mean, we're all used to like the Marvel mm-hmm. kind of like mid credits, post credits sort of thing, and all that. And it's usually it might be like 30, 45 seconds. This was like five minutes worth of post credits oh stuff. Oh my gosh. And and like a really important crap. Yes. Too. Yes. Like. I mean, good Lord help you if you hadn't... If, you know what? If you haven't watched post credit season episode eight, stop right now. Mm-hmm. Go watch that and then come back. Yes. We'll wait. Yeah. Because you've paused us. But anyways, now on to the end of that. Proceed. So, so Bernard and Ashley end up at, at a hotel room where Bernard kind of gets him in some ice to kind of... I, oh, yeah, I don't know. Because Ashley in rough shape. Yeah, he, he's not in good shape. Um, but he comes to the realization that that he that, that Dolores implanted the key inside of his mind. Yes, for the which sublime. is brilliant. Which is brilliant. It's like the last bit of Dolores being one step ahead of yes. everybody. And he puts on this kind of <laughs> halo contraption onto his head. That is what Lawrence gave him in the briefcase. Mm-hmm. And the last we see of of Bernard is that he shuts down. He he just goes limp. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of the end of 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 his of of his part for now until we get to the post-credits scene yeah and in there in the post-credits what what sir todd is alluding to is we we see william kind of on a rampage going into you know the delios facility in dubai he's gonna go Mm. kill all the hosts he's gonna find he's 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 on a mission 
That's right. He he is. He, it's like old. It's like old man John Wick. He's like it's the not, human it's Terminator. Not quite John Wick. He's like the human yeah. Terminator. He he ain't gonna well, be stopped. He's he's like the human Terminator now. Like he real slow. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they all come at him one at a time, which is kind of funny when you think about it. When in all these action movies, mm-hmm. like the rules are, you can only attack the guy one at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Really? So, like, you can only send t- four TIE fighters out from the Death Star at a time. <laughs> Apparently, there's a quota. So, he makes his way in, and long story short, he finds the Dolores version, uh, or he finds Charlotte as Dolores. Yes. Um, who still has the charred arm, which I love that aspect of that character. Like, she wants to remember it. Yeah, so, oh. so, so she's re- reconstituted herself for the most part, except for the arm. Clearly has a, you know, if anything, if there was ever a, a thought of, of Dolores having nefarious purposes for what she was doing with humanity in the world, it seems like this version of her in Charlotte is going to manifest that. Oh, yeah. In a big way, especially with the chip that she has on her shoulder right now. So the man in black sees her. He's going to take her out. Rock of Gibraltar, ladies and gentlemen. Rock of Gibraltar. And then out of the shadows, who comes strolling in? The no... No other than the man in black himself as a host. The very thing that he kept questioning was he one of all the, oh, that was Sorry, well done, sir. Well done. Yeah, I, you know, I'd, I'd have my I'd, goodness. I have minimal talents, but yeah, very nice. And uh, and it is there. We're going to get sued for that, by the way. Well, I hope you're ready. Th- that or YouTube's going to claim some sort of copyright infringement or whatever. <laughs> What's new, pussycat? Never mind. Um, but uh, damn it. <laughs> Um, but what we see is the human man in black getting his, mm. his throat slashed. And from what we believe, he has been done for. Terminate with extreme prejudice. And then we see that, that Charlotte and he are going to rampage against humanity uh, in season four with a whole host of hosts. Uh, as, mm. as we see the lights go on and we see how many bays she has set up of, of hosts that are being generated. So there, there, there be some, some, uh, some angry hosts that are going to be wreaking havoc upon the world in a short order. So, oh yeah, uh, and then, and then, if that isn't enough, if that hasn't completely, but wait, there's more. If you order now, you'll get a Bernard covered in dust. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not quite as good as a set of six steak knives, but. Eh. Well, we'll see. But, yeah, we basically flash um, back to the hotel room, which is just grimy, covered in dirt. We, we don't know how how much of a time jump has, has happened here. And nobody has gone to check on that room? Really? Yeah. Apparently not. I mean, especially considering the smell that would be coming from Stubbs. Yep. Because Stubbs wasn't in good shape. No. I don't think Stubbs made it through the night. I even though I kind Bernard of, packed him on ice. I think I kind of remember Bernard saying to him, you know, stay stay in this ice so it prevents, you know, your your skin from, you know, going undergoing the necrotic whatever process and I'm like, "Oh, yeah. good lord." And how long does <laughs> ice last, ladies and gentlemen? Uh n- not not long enough for him to get covered in dust like that. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Tim is much better at math than I oh, am. Oh my goodness. But let's uh, trust him on this. But but basically, uh, you you know Bernard's purpose of going to the Sublime is to see, uh, you know what what can he do, or or is there something there that helps him understand how humanity can be rebuilt, and he snaps mm-hmm. awake, uh, in this in this dirty dusty state. So we we don't know how far you know beyond in time that is, 
but it's definitely in the future. So I would hope so, yes. As opposed to the past. Uh, yes. But that is how we're left. So season four, uh, we have the host man in black teaming up with Charlotte and a whole host of hosts to uh, start rampaging against humanity. We have Bernard covered in dust with the plan to make it all happen again. And uh, Dolores is no more. And Maeve. And about a year and a half to wait on all this. Newfound crap. purpose. So, yeah. Caleb. Newfound purpose. So uh, yeah, we're 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 kind of we have a little bit of resolution, but a lot a lot of open open threads to be explored next season. We got more threads than Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> do they do they sell thread? Ah, uh, yes, they do. Okay, good. Yeah. And another thing. All right, sir. So what have you got for in another thing this week? Uh this is, you know, if if you're someone who has access to Sirius XM, I, I ask you, nay, I implore you to to please uh, get in the car, go for a drive. You, you can remain distance from people in the car, but, but get on to Sirius XM. I, I have found a, a, a gem, a jewel, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. this month and this month only, apparently, which is the Led Zeppelin channel. Ooh. And... You know, as much as I am a fan of Rush, uh, they are at the top, but right, right there with them, maybe just a little bit below, at number two is Zeppelin, and yeah. you know, just just the 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 rock and roll bluesy guts of what they would bring to the table is just fantastic. So, oh, their their version of when the levee breaks oh. is so like slow and deliberate. Oh, is, oh my goodness. If if you have one song left to hear before you die, choose that one mm-hmm. because it'll last forever. I mean, it, oh. if there was ever if there's ever a time I was going to break into professional wrestling, my entrance theme would be one of two songs, either Cashmere or When the Levee Breaks. <laughs> because those two songs, man, are fantastic. Oh my god. Tonight when I ran out to grab some some dinner for the family, what did I have on the like like what did I hear on this beautiful channel? Moby Dick, a a a song that that highlights and focuses on Bonzo on the kit going to town as mm-hmm. only he can do. And then on the return trip back once I had said vittles, in my time of dying, which my god, if you listen to that song, if you ever had a question that blues led to rock and roll, listen to that song. Oh, sweet Moses. Between mm-hmm. Bonzo, between Page with the guitar, with the, he had to have one of those slider doohickeys on his fingers where he's just doing yeah. the, you know, sort of. You mean a you mean a slide? Yeah, whatever. I'm I'm a bass player. I don't I don't I don't I don't deal with such tools. But anyways. Well, actually, I believe. Oh, here we go. The, <laughs> no, I was gonna say, I believe the the bassist from Morphine. You ever hear Morphine? No, I have not. So I I believe he played a slide bass. Really. I could be completely talking out my bunghole. Okay. But I believe. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Well, I just want to be honest and upfront. Well, I I might be misremembering things. I'm sure that honestly, the my synapses will misfire. Appreciate so said, said honesty. Thank you. Anyways, go back to your your and another. No, thing, so. I just want to just make the recommendation. Please, you know, if, if you happen to have Sirius Sirius XM in the car, if you have the app, uh, give give. Give Zeppelin a little listen. You know, I mean, they, they, they will definitely infuse your day with some rock, with some blues, with some soulful music. So that is my nice. and another thing. 
Well, that it's kind of interesting because my and another thing is also a musical recommendation. Are you familiar with a band Lettuce? I am not. Well, you are going to have to familiarize yourself with them. Otherwise, we are no longer friends. Let us so, familiarize ourselves with lettuce. Go ahead. Oh, you clever son of a McGun. <laughs> All right. So this is a band that originated in Boston, Massachusetts in 1992. Basically, the members of this band were all going to Berkeley at the time. Okay. And they started playing together. And then things have kind of developed and evolved over time from there. Lettuce has, a, has released a, a new album this year. Actually, this just this past week called Resonate. And damn it, every single person who listens to this podcast needs to go out and buy at least three copies of it. It is amazing. Lettuce is, is a band... That is, oh my gosh, they're so good. It's it's kind of, a, in a way, it's kind of a super group in that many of the members of this band have had, uh, they've had success in other areas of the music group, uh, music industry. So uh, originally there was, I won't go through the, all the iterations of this band because it would take me a long time, but uh, members of this group have been uh, in Soul Live which at one point was Eric Krasno, who was a guitarist, and uh, Neil Evans. Uh, you have those uh, those guys, and then you have, um, and of course, I mean, one of my favorite saxophone players of all time to listen to, aside from Maceo Parker and John Coltrane, would be Ryan Zoitis, mm. who is one of the founding members of Rustic Overtones and uh, main represent, uh, one of my favorite bands of all times. I'm sure that I've mentioned them. Uh, a couple thousand times here, especially when uh, Jason Ward was on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is one of the founding members of Soul of Rustic Overtones. He's also a founding member of Lettuce, and he is freaking phenomenal. Nice. Uh, then you have um, you have Eric Jesus Coombs, uh, <laughs> who is the bass player. Uh, he has actually been a, uh, a studio and touring bass players for Britney Spears, The Game, and others. Adam Deitch, who is the drummer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, he's played with John Schofield, Wyclef Jean. He's also played with the Average White Band. You know, one of the other guitarists, uh, Shmirnoff. He's played with Lady Gaga, Ru- uh, Robert Randolph and the Family Band. I mean, these guys have been around. They are phenomenal. Nice. Nigel Hall, the current uh, keyboard player for them, has played with literally everybody. Yep. He's phenomenal. This album is flipping amazing. Specifically... Uh, the track called Good Morning, Mr. Schmink, which is shades of Tower of Power in terms of like nineteen mid-1970s era Tower of Power with Chester Thompson, Rocco Prestia on bass. Good, sweet Lord, it is freaking amazing and is fantastic. Their album last year, which is called Elevate, was nominated for a Grammy. Uh, phenomenal band. You ought to go out and listen to this album immediately and then... Again, buy several copies of it. Uh, and the, the origin of the band, uh, the band's name, which I think is hilarious. There's a couple versions of it. On the, on the Wikipedia page, it says that it was, they would go around and they'd be like, hey, let us play, let us play, let us play, let us play at different venues. Like, hey, let us play here, let us play here. And that's how they ended up getting the name. <laughs> the other was that at the, at the beginning of the band, none of them had PA equipment. So they'd be, hey, let us borrow your, your this. Let us borrow this. Let us borrow oh, that. Oh, that's funny. So that's how they got this name, Lettuce. And, oh, my gosh, their, their, their uh, website is called LettuceFunk.com. So you need to go there and you need to buy this album on at least three different 
types of media, streaming, CD, and vinyl, and perhaps 8-track if they have it available. Just get it. It is amazing. So as you have been talking, I threw on Spotify, looked up Lettuce, found Resonate, went and played Good Morning, Mr. Schmink, listened to 15 seconds of it. Oh, sweet Moses. Yeah. Oh, the groove. (laughs) Oh, and just to to tie back into last week's and another thing, one of their albums, uh, I believe it's Out of Here, has, features prominently Fred Wesley. Okay. Uh, right. Especially on a track where they cover uh, James Brown's Super Bad, but they call it Super Fred because basically it's them playing Super Bad and Fred just soloing for like seven minutes. Oh, oh my oh, gosh. I get, I get the vapors just thinking about uh, it. I think I'm listening to this gentlemen. tomorrow morning. It's amazing. Oh. And that, that oh. track especially is just how good coombs is at plant at, at base like just it, it gets into that finger style funk of rec- rocco prestia that is just inherently tower of power like mm-hmm. I, I thought on their previous album elevate there's a, a song called ready to live which i'm like this is the closest L- lettuce has ever gotten to tower of power no i was wrong it's this song <laughs> even though there's there's fewer horns and you're missing like the berry sax and all that and again anyone who doesn't know tower of power is like what is he talking about Go listen to Tower Power, then go listen to Lettuce. Mm-hmm. But it, it is the closest like rhythm section feeling I've gotten nice. to Tower of Power. And oh my sweet lord, go and just listen to that front and back, and then listen to it again. That is my recommendation for every single human being in the sound of my voice this evening. Mm-hmm. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us. We appreciate it. We appreciate each and every one of you mm-hmm. who bear with us every single episode. Uh, we know there's a lot of, uh, of of chaff to get through until you get to the wheat, and we really do appreciate it. We do actually edit this. I, I promise you, and and I know that's sad because and by we we mean Todd. <laughs> the, well, no, but I'm just trying to point out, <laughs> even edited, there's a ton of digression. Oh in this. my so, gosh. We do appreciate you all bearing with us and, and subscribing and listening. Yes. And damn it, if you've made it this far, get yourself a drink on us because you deserve it. Uh, so right now, what I like to do uh, the, for the final, the ankle leg segment of our show, I like to turn to the man who, quite honestly, I've turned to many times for wisdom, for, for life coaching, for, for, well, for rides back from the bar. I, I was uh, going to say... <laughs> But that's a long time because, honestly, it'd be a long drive right now for him. But I, I, I've, I've turned to this man many times in my life. And, and, and every time on this show now, I turn to him and I say, Tim, take us home, sir. Well, my friend, uh, I, I, have to be, I have to bring this up as, as part of the ending. I, I was remiss in mentioning uh, last week, may the 4th be with you. Uh, yes. ho- hopefully you, you had, a, had a wonderful Star Wars day uh you know whether it be watching rise of skywalker on the disney plus if you're checking out clone wars on the disney plus or, or elsewhere um live long and prosper absolutely oh, wait. Am, is that uh, am i doing this right Sarek? oh never mind um <laughs> <laughs> once again a happy mother's day to all the mothers out there the 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 the, the tent pole if you will of the family thank you for 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 your support and the impact you've had and as we've talked about, you, you do know that neither of our wives are listening to this. I hope you. I hope you got our card. And this isn't like the. This your, is the card. Br- no. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're screwed, sir. I'm sorry. I hope your. I hope your. Your couch or your uh, garage is really comfy. It's all good. 
Uh, and as we've been talking about, you know, the big theme coming out of Westworld is choice. How free will is hard, but but we all have a choice. Let's choose to to be good to one another. Choose mm-hmm. to chat someone up, you know, during this mm-hmm. time as you're outside walking or. Or, or, or getting some groceries, getting some TP, talk to some people, you know, engage, because mm. uh, we're all we're all going through this together. And hey, it's week nine, and there's going to oh. be more weeks to follow. So, Tammy, you had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> you? You got so far, and oh. but please, the weight of it doesn't hit me until I hear Tim <laughs> telling me what the, what week it is, and then all of a sudden it just hits me all at once. Week nine of lockdown, oh. but yeah, take some time, chat some people up. Have some fun, engage, and, uh, you know, be healthy, be safe, and most importantly, please remember to hit the lights on the way out. I can't take the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. I don't come back. Till you receive yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Uh, well done, sir, as usual. Thank you. I actually made some notes for myself since last time's was a rambling <laughs> exercise in <laughs> what am I going to say? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's magic every time, baby. <laughs> <laughs>